sing. There's a fountain flowing from the heart of the Savior. Bring your sins and all your guilty stains. Let that river of life wash it away. If you've been searching, carrying burdens, if you've been lost and looking for a home, if you've been drifting, something is missing, and you should know that you are not alone. Brothers, sisters, come on down to that river, guaranteed you'll never be the same. There's a thousand loving from the heart of the Savior, bring your sins and all your guilty stains. Let that river of life wash it all away. Come on down to the river. Come as you are, no time to waste. Open your heart, don't be afraid. Jump on in, the water is fine. It's healing in the river of life. Come as you are, no time to waste. Open your heart, don't be afraid. Jump on in, the water is fine. It's healing in the river of life. Brothers, sisters, come on down to that river. Guaranteed you'll never be the same. Brothers, sisters, come on down to that river. Guaranteed you'll never be the same. There's a thousand flowing from the heart of the state. Bring your sins and all your guilty stains By the blood of Jesus, everything will change Let that river of life wash it all away Come on down to the river Come on down to the river Come on down to the river well, good morning. It's my honor to welcome you here to East Tesla Baptist Church. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Byron, for opening our time of worship with that song. Uh, just a few announcements. First of all, for those that are visiting with us today, we say this every week. Please don't rush out uh, when the service is over. We encourage you to stop by our guest table in the back. Uh, you can pick up a guest bag, and we'd love for you to fill out a, a care card that's in your bulletin or a guest card back there. And for many of you that have been visiting for a while, um, we are going to be having Class 101. We don't like calling it a class because it's a time just to get to know each other and for you to get to know the church. That's coming up October the 23rd. If you're interested in possibly joining the church or just like to know more about who we are, that class will be on a Sunday night at 5 o'clock. Uh, we'll be serving supper that night, so uh, please fill out the care card. There's a place to check Class 101. You can call the church office. You can actually go to our website. There's a link there. You can fill out the information. So, but we would love to get you connected to East Hillsville Baptist Church because it's an honor to have you here with us. Just a few announcements. Hate to do these, but uh, Justin, being in kids' worship, asked me to do these. Uh, as we mentioned last week, October 8th is the I Am They concert. These last two weeks leading up to the concert, those spots will fill up pretty quick. So if you've not got your tickets, you can go online at imday.com and get your tickets. Um, there's also a student middle school, high school uh, conference coming up. That is October 21st. 
lot of this information is in your bulletin, but they need $25 deposit to confirm your spot for that. And then Sunday nights, we did start back last week, and uh, we have a one at 5 o'clock, and that's age 3 through 5th grade. We have student Bible study. We also have adult Bible study at 5 o'clock on Sunday evenings. Would love for you to join us for that. Another thing, information sheets. We like to know who you are and make sure we can contact you if we need you. Uh, we need to check up on that from time to time. Right now, we're getting information sheets back in. If you don't have one, they're at the window seals, they're at the back. And it's just to make sure we can uh, we have updated information on you and your household. So please take a minute to do that. And the last thing, everybody say, thank, praise the Lord. One more announcement. We are hoping our sound system might be complete this week, but uh, as, we, as this whole process is gone, don't count on it. So at this point, just assume we're going to be in the sanctuary next Sunday. If not, we will update you via phone tree message this week if we're going to be back in the Jennings building. But right now, we are assuming we'll be back in here unless something changes with the shipping of the components for uh, our sound system. So I want to ask everyone to please stand. And as you stand, I want to read a passage from Psalm 108. It simply says this. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. As we gather today, may his glory shine even in our midst here as we worship him. Take just a minute, welcome your neighbor, and let's worship together.
Lord is worthy of all our praise and he's worthy of all glory and honor. I want to invite you this morning to come and, and, and pray with me this morning for the needs that you may be facing. And this past week, I've been reading in Romans 8, verse 26. I want to share that with you this morning. We're not alone in our faith. The Lord walks with us. If you're going through a difficult time or you know someone is, read this verse, Romans 8, 26, 27. The scripture says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should, what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession, intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That means the Lord comes and he prays for us. Aren't you glad that Jesus is ever interceding for us on our behalf? So would you come this morning and let the Lord pray with you, and he'll pray for you. You come this morning, and let's pray together. You come. join me in prayer where you're at and father we thank you that your love for us is everlasting and lord when we go through life we're not alone you walk with us you speak to us through the holy spirit and your spirit prays for us you intercede for us god sometimes in our life and we can't pray for ourselves, you come alongside of us and you pray for us and we're so thankful lord that you do that lord when we hurt and go through difficult times you're our encourager, you're our strength, you're our counselor, you're the Almighty. And we thank you so much for that this morning. And Father, we just want to worship you in spirit and in truth, but we want to thank you. And God, we want to pray and intercede and pray on the behalf of those that we love so much. And Lord, what we're facing in life, we want to cast it before you. You said to cast all our care upon you, for you care for us. But Lord, we just want to thank you that you pray for us, that you are ever interceding for us. And we want to thank you, Lord, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, you're always with us. And one day we'll be with you. And what a day that will be that we can rejoice in your presence. And Father, we pray that you would bless this time of worship. Lord, may we truly worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, choir. As they make their way down, I just have a couple announcements, too. I want to mention the building fund. Uh, if you'll look in your bulletin, um, I'm not exactly sure what the number is there, but the last time I looked, uh, last week it was $75,000, which means we're getting closer to having the Jennings Family Ministry building paid off, and let's give the Lord a thank you for that. What a blessing that is. And uh, we'll be talking more to you about how we can get that paid off a little bit earlier in October, but um, we want to thank you for that. Also, this Saturday is our men's golf tournament. It's the Larry Daniels Memorial Golf Tournament. Larry Daniels uh, is, was, uh, was Melinda Chapman's dad, a deacon here, uh, served uh, East Hills Baptist Church faithfully and uh, was very active in our Baptist men's ministry. Because of our Baptist men's ministry, uh, we had a barbecue last week for uh, Dinah. Thank you for giving. I think she received over, after expenses paid out, over $9,000. So let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. Thank you so much. We'll have another barbecue November 13th, and it's for Sandra Arms uh, and Michael Arms. So if you will, uh, be praying about that. I'll, I honestly believe that God will bless your generosity. I mean, I don't care if you tip, tip well or whatever you do. God's going to bless it, I think. I don't think God blesses greed or... Uh, people that are stingy. I know it's been true in my life that God has always blessed me when I tithe and then give in other ways, okay? And uh, those of you that gave financially to Dinah, I pray God blesses you, all right? Those of you that give weekly here at East Hills Baptist Church, that's why we can support uh, so many different uh, ministry and missions opportunities. Uh, you know, our children are meeting now and children's worship, and that's because you give. And not only give of your money, but you also give of your time. So we want to thank you so much for what you do here. And uh, uh, we don't take that for granted. So if you have your Bibles, if you will, to stand with me. We're going to look at uh, verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 1. Last week we talked about angels and just mentioned a few things about angels. Today we're going to look at what is an angel's ministry to a believer. And all these um, examples, of course, are in the Bible. Now, that don't mean that an angel is going to show up to you this way, but what we do know is that angels have done this in the past. And notice just this one verse. When the writer of Hebrews wrote Hebrews, he's writing to Jewish Christians who are thinking about leaving the faith because they've been saved a while, all right? And also, they're tempted to go back to Judaism because of persecution. And it's almost like when the children of Israel were in the desert and they told Moses, we, we were at least fed in Egypt. And Moses said, so you want to go back to the bondage of Egypt instead of the promised land that God has for you? The, uh, the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians who are almost there. And he's trying to say this, don't leave Jesus. Now look at me, listen to me. Don't leave Jesus. You can leave this church all you want to, or that church, or that church, or that church. Don't leave Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Your only hope in life is Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell these folks in the first three verses... Jesus is our ultimate prophet, priest, and king. There's one king. There's one ultimate prophet. There's one way to God, and that's through the shed blood of Jesus. And then he says on in Hebrews, Jesus is greater than Moses, he's greater than Joshua, he's greater than the tabernacle. But he first off starts off with angels, because the Jews had this fascination with angels. Paul told the church at Colossae, don't worship angels. Don't worship angels. Why? Because angels help bring the law. Angels were there when God wrote the Ten Commandments. When Paul was kind of debating the Judaizers, he said this, angels were there when God wrote the law. When Stephen stood before the Sanhedrin, and he started talking about how Jesus Christ is the only way, 
before they killed him, he said, don't you remember how angels were there when God wrote the law? So, so what, Paul, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is this, look, you have this supernatural being who is holy, who is all-powerful, not all-powerful, but powerful, okay, who God has used to bring the law, but Jesus is greater. And he says, Jesus, the angels are made lower uh, than Jesus, and they're for Jesus' purpose. And look at verse 14, he says, are, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who inherit salvation? And what that means is this, God has angels, and one of their purposes is to minister to you. Isn't that a blessing? And in your lifetime, you'll never know how angels have probably ministered to you in the past, or how they're going to minister to you in the future, and maybe even minister to you in the present. But we do have examples in the Bible that show us how they did minister in the past. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for your word. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for this unseen world. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. Lord, I can't see heaven. I know it's real. I can't see hell, and I know that it's real. Father, I can't see angels and demons, but I know they're real. Jesus, I've never seen you, but I know without a shadow of a doubt, and I'd stake my life on it, that you're real. Because we have your word. And we have the, the uh, guarantee of the Holy Spirit who lives with, within us. So, Father, I pray that we'd give you our undivided attention today as we look at, Father, how angels minister to born-again Christians. And, Father, we love you today. In Jesus' name I pray and all the God's people say together, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Whenever we think about angels, last week I talked about how angels are created. They're created just like us. They, they have a beginning. They don't have an end. Angels are spirits, but sometimes angels appear as normal males. It's always males in the Bible. This occurred to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18. The writer of Hebrews says this. I finished the, the message last week this way. He makes references to be careful how you treat people, the writer of Hebrews said. All right? Be careful how you treat people because at sometimes you may treat uh, encounter a stranger who is an angel. And unwittingly what you do is you minister to an angel. There are other angelic appearances where they reveal and we don't know how they look. But we do know this. Whenever the angels were found saying in Luke chapter 1, they said, do not be afraid. When the angels appeared before the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, they started to sing and announce, sorry, but they told the shepherds, do not be afraid. The appearance of angels at the tomb of Jesus caused the Roman soldiers, these fighting gladiator legions, if you will, to become like dead men. Okay, When they saw an angel in a glorified form, they became as... Dead men. There are more angels than we can count. Jesus told Pilate after he was scourged, Do you not know that I can call 12 legions of angels right now? Do you not know? Angels, they are powerful. Read the book of Revelation from Revelation 6 on. Every judgment brought about, God uses an angel. God uses an angel. They proclaimed the gospel. In Revelation, there's an angel flying around preaching Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And they have a role in the giving of the law. But David Jeremiah said this one time. I remember him saying this. He said, angels have a ministry. Their ministry is one of rendering service. They've been assigned the task of rendering service to those who inherit salvation, which is us. And he says this. Here's a fantastic truth. These supernatural beings have been assigned the task of ministering to you. You're, you're not aware of all the dangers that you face through the day, but God is aware he has assigned His holy angels to protect you. They keep harm from coming your way. They allow nothing to touch you that has not been approved by the Lord. 
And when the day finally comes that you're called home, this is the most important ministry. Now listen to me, this affects us all. They will act as your royal escort to heaven. That's solid biblical truth. Let me ask you a question. Last year, how many of you lost someone close to you? Anybody? Think about this. They didn't go alone. Isn't that a blessing? Think about how angels may or may not have ministered to your life. And I don't want to be super spiritual. But I remember uh, talking to Clyde Meesey-Moore, and I've shared this story before. And Clyde Meesey-Moore, a lot of times I would, I would visit with Clyde in the hospital. And he'd say, preach, come here and sit down, I'll tell you a story. And he'd usually tell me stories about the war. And he'd tell me stories about whenever he was in the war. And he told Mark and I it was called the Battle of Hurricane Forest, which I don't think that was the name of it. It was one of the most deadliest battles in World War II. Uh, I mean, his whole group, battalion, I guess I could say it, somebody can correct me when I'm wrong, they all died and they sent in reinforcements, they all died and they sent in more. And I said, Clyde, how did you survive that? He said, this is what I did, preach. I'd get up every morning, go sit on a stump, and drink coffee. And he said, my sergeant said, Clyde, are you crazy? Why are you doing it? He said, well, I got a mama back home praying. And he said, I trust in my mama's prayers. And Clyde said, I made it home. Now listen, could it be that your mom or grandma prayed for you and God dispatched angels to take good care of you. Maybe, maybe not. But I do know this much. Clyde Kiever was a well old man whenever I preached his funeral. And he didn't die in Hurricane Forest. I know that. And his mama prayed hard for him. Angels ministering to the lives of believers. Notice the first thing. In the Bible, angels sustain and encourage God's people. Notice this verse in Matthew uh, chapter 4. Where Jesus was tempted by the devil, and Jesus kept on saying, he started quoting the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And then the Bible says this, Then the devil left him, meaning Jesus, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Angels were used in the Bible to provide for physical needs in time of distress. One of the best illustrations of the angel's ability and desire to sustain and encourage us is in 1 Kings chapter 19. As many of you remember, Elijah was on uh, Mount Carmel and he was facing down 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of the Ashereth. And what they were doing is trying to call on their God. They were beating themselves, they were chanting, they were doing everything you could do, speaking in tongues, doing everything they could do. And Elijah would stop them and say, stop guys. He'd say stop. And then he'd say something like this. Maybe your God's sleeping. Then they'd start back up. And then Elijah would stop, and Elijah would say this, Hey, guys, stop. Maybe your God is on vacation. All right? He's making fun of them. And then they'd do, beat themselves and you know, start bleeding and calling on their God, doing all the things that they do. And then Elijah would say, Hey, maybe your God had to go to the bathroom. That's what he said. Then Elijah caught on his God. Fire came down from heaven, and all the prophets died. And Elijah won that battle. But notice what happens after that. The Bible says, but Elijah, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Why? Because Jezebel, Ahab's wife, whose dad was the king of Tyre and Sidon, who worshipped the devil through Baal, she was the queen. You know what she was known for? Worshipping the devil, worshipping nature, okay, uh, child sacrifice and killing prophets. And she was good at it. And when Elijah, after he defeated 850 false prophets on this dramatic show, when he heard about Jezebel, it says, But Elijah him, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree 
and he requested for himself that he might die. Now let me ask you a question. This is what Elijah's saying, all right? Let me just be plain with you. Lord, if I had a way to kill myself, I would. That's what he's saying. Lord, if I could kill myself right now, I would. He requested that he might die. He was too weak of a man to do it, thank God. He didn't have enough courage, but he said, Lord, will you kill me? Now, what, what, what kind of place do you have to be in your mind to get to this point? Now, this is Elijah the prophet. Okay? Never take these things lightly when you talk to your friends. Ever. Look, that he might die and said, Is it enough now, Lord, take my life, for I'm not better than my father's? Now, think, one scholar put it this way. What, what Elijah is saying is this, without even realizing it. He's saying this, Lord, take my life. This woman's stronger than you are. You can't protect me. That's what he's saying. Lord, Lord, you can't fix my situation. He walks out into the wilderness by himself. Men, listen to me. Be careful about being alone when you're feeling sorry for yourself. You hear me? Be careful about being alone when you're feeling sorry for yourself. Or when bad things happen to you, they're going to happen to all of us. He went into the wilderness a day's journey. How long is that? How long is that? How long does it take you to walk? I ran a half marathon before. Two hours and something. Two hours and none of your business. All right. Now, how long will it take you to walk a day's journey in the, in the wilderness? There's nobody around. He's physically tired, emotionally tired. He's stressed out of his mind. And this is what he says in a weak moment. Just kill me. I bet if he had a rope, he'd have tried it. I bet, I bet if he would have had a knife, he'd have slit his wrist. What if he had had a whole bunch of medication? What do you think Elijah would have done? This is where Elijah is. And one of the reasons is why is Elijah says this, Lord, she's just stronger than you. Elijah is drained, burned out, stressed out, heightens his fears, and this can crush you spiritually. Vince Lombardi said this, fatigue makes cowards of us all, does it not? But notice what happened. And he, Elijah, lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touched him. And the angel said to him, Arise and eat. Now listen to what one scholar says. He says this, There's a time for crying out to God, and there's a time to roll over in bed, close your eyes, and get a good night's sleep sometimes. You know what the angel tells Elijah to do? Elijah, the angel tells Elijah, he says, You need food. It's real simple, and if you're stressed out, and it's not a mental issue, it's just life. He says, you need some food. The angel made him food. Look, and the angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, arise and eat, because the journey's too great for you. He said, eat. It's very practical. You know what your doctor's going to tell you if you tell him you suffer from depression just because of life? This is what your doctor's going to tell you if he or she has any common sense. What are you eating? Do you realize that your stomach affects your brain? That's why before I get up to preach, my stomach's nauseous. It is. Is yours not? Before you take a test, students, is your stomach not nauseous? Because your, your stomach affects your brain. And what you eat can, can, can affect your mind. Every study on the planet will show that. And what this angel says is you need to eat. You need, to, you need, to, you need sustenance, right? Elijah, you walked a day in the desert, probably didn't bring no food. And then the angel says this to him. This is very practical. You need to rest. You need to rest. You need to rest. When, when, one pastor who's uh, more into uh, health says this. 
Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights after verse 7 until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and did what? He spent the night there. Now understand, he's got all kinds of problems. We've not gotten to the real issues of life for Elijah yet, but sometimes you can't get to the deep issues until you get to deal with things like your hunger and physical exhaustion. Basically, a God arranged for Elijah to have a six-week vacation. All expenses paid. That sounds good until you recall that he had to walk across the desert by himself to Mount Sinai. And then he says this. Why did he go to Horeb? Because he knew Mount Sinai was a place you went when you knew you need to meet God. He didn't just pick out any mountain. If he wanted to find a cave, there are caves closer than Horeb. He went back where Moses met the Lord. There is a value in going back to certain places. And let me say this to you. If you're struggling with depression, and it's not something that, that, that it's not a mental thing, all right, that, that can't be controlled unless you have medicine. If it's just life, all right, go back to church. Isn't it amazing how we, how we leave the very place where we can get the most help? Go back to church. If you're watching this online today or next week or whatever, there's a benefit to being in person with God's people. It is. If you have a doctor who's worth anything, you know what your doctor's going to say? Why don't you get around some good like-minded people that love Jesus? Isn't it amazing how church can help you? Isn't it amazing how church can get you through that moment? Elijah goes back to that place. He says, this is where Moses met God. This is where I'm going to meet with God. He see he got rest and then he exercised. He had this part of his body that was moving. Okay, this angel meets him at his lowest point. The second thing is this: angels can reveal God's will to us. Very important. There are several ways that God reveals His specific will to us. God has an ultimate will. God has a specific will for your life. All right, it's specific. And how do we know that? Well, circumstances. God uses that. Okay. That God uses certain circumstances. Case in point, if somebody came up to you today after church and said, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, what can I do? God's will for your life is to share the gospel, amen? That's a circumstance that you didn't cause that God opened the door. That's God's will for your life for that moment. It's probably the most important thing you'll do all year is share the gospel. Circumstances. Other times God reveals His will through us through people especially those that have authority over us. That's why it's important to be in church. I've never met somebody that's tearing it up for Jesus that wasn't part of a local church ever in my lifetime. And I've been saved since 1990. Ever in my lifetime. Ever in my lifetime. Have I met anybody who's doing anything for the kingdom of God that's not a part, a faithful part of a local church? So you got to ask yourself, what, what, is, what is my goal for my life? Is it to have greener grass? More brick on your house? A nicer pool, is that it? That's fine if you want all those things. You can do all those things and serve Jesus, amen? You can do them all. But you're not going to serve Jesus apart from a local church. You're not. You can sit at home and you can watch it online all you want to. God is not going to use that in your life in the, in the context of a local church. It's just not going to happen. What we have in Alexander County in America today are mega churches sitting at home in their pajamas watching Charles Stanley, then watching their church service, and then doing nothing for the kingdom of God the rest of, their life, the rest of the week. That's what's happening. Case in point, that's what's happening. Since COVID, people have found it, that it's okay just to watch it online, and then, and then, and then and that's, that's your life, that's fine. That's not my life. I want God to use me in the context of the local church, like the Bible says, amen? 
That's, that's what God says. God can reveal his, his will to you through people, through the church, through the Holy Spirit. Notice this verse. One of the greatest verses in the Bible about God's will. For all who are led. Look at the word led. Look, it's the Greek word to go. Look at this. By the Spirit of God. This is why you need to submit to the Spirit of God and be, and be led by the Spirit. You're led, look, to direct the movement of an object from one position to another. If you're surrendered and submitted to the will of God, I hope you hear me on this. All right, God will take you. That word led means he grabs you by the hand. Somebody said, how did you get these tails? Well, I don't know. It's just baby steps. God took me from one place to the other. I didn't ask for this. Never have. Never desired to be the pastor here. It's just what God did. God will take you by the hand and take you where you want to go if you're submitted to him, to his spirit. The problem is sometimes that in our lives we're so carnal, in a sense, that God can't lead us. Oh, he can drag if he wants to, but God chooses not to. In every step of the way, being led by the Spirit, you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I started out as an usher in church. That's what I did. Then I worked in the sound room at Millersville Baptist Church. And I was really bad at both of them. First Sunday school class, I taught for five minutes and had about 12 pages of notes. I'm being honest with you. But what God did was, through just being faithful to church, hearing good preaching and singing, people praying for you, is God will take you by the hand and you'll end up where you need to be. All right? That's why some of us marry the wrong person. Just trying to help you this morning. That's why some of us end up at the wrong jobs and you hate your life and you hate working, right? Because God's trying to lead you by the hand and you'll jerk your hand back. You start doing that and see what happens to your life. Or you surrender to His will and end up where God wants you to, and God's name will be glorified, the kingdom will grow. God's church will grow and you'll be blessed and have a fulfilled, content life. Or don't. In the Bible, this is how God had to do it. Think about this. Notice notice on the screen all these places where God used angels. Look in Matthew chapter 120. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. What? An angel said, my perfect, God's perfect will for your life is to marry, M-A-R-R-Y, Mary. And if you don't marry, Mary, you've rebelled against the kingdom of God and God's plan for all of mankind. Think about that. Then notice this, the angel said to the women at the tomb, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. You know why they looked? Because they looked at the grave clothes. Grave clothes in the shape of a person. Little indented according to the Bible. And there's nobody in there. And they looked at it. And then he says this. This is God's will for your life. To these women. Go quickly and tell his disciples. Any deviation from that is not God's will. And then notice here. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Go, go south to the road. Now Philip is preaching. Revival's happening. An angel of the Lord showed Why did an angel of the Lord show up? Because Philip wouldn't have left. He's a preacher. People are getting saved. An angel of the Lord shows up to Philip and says, Go south to the road, the desert. Now, wait a minute. Does God have a right to move you? He does, does he not? Angel, now, Philip is preaching, obeying God, and then an angel says, No, nah, you're going to the desert. I'm moving you. You know, they said in, in South Korea, when the IMB started sending missionaries, they'd go to these cities, right? And they say uh, Korea is beautiful, South Korea is beautiful. 
and just tons of people are getting saved. One of the largest churches in the world is there, right? And then the leaders of the missionary units would go up to them and say this, time to leave the city. We want you to go out to the desert. Those people don't know Jesus. Had a lot of pushback at one time in the Southern Baptist Convention because missionaries got comfortable in the city. I understand you got a house, a home, you got friends, you got a church. But, but the IMB leadership said, nope, look, it's time to go to the desert. Now this is Philip. He's preaching. God's blessing. And the angel says, time to leave. Go to the desert. One scholar put it this way about the desert. He said this. In scripture, both literally and figuratively, deserts are places of death and despair. As the people of God said to Moses when they were in the desert, Did you bring us out here to die? A desert lacks not only water and food, but cities and towns in which people learn to thrive as a community, offering one another safety and sustenance. When God invites us into the desert, obedience is the first and foundational step. Now let me say that with you again. When God invites us into the desert, obedience is the first and foundational step. And then he goes on to say this. He does not drive us or force us. You understand that? That's not obedience. He does not drive us or force us, but instead invites us to follow him there. Do you trust the Lord? Do you? Think about this. Do you really trust God with your life? Do you trust God to make major changes in your life if He so desires? If you can't answer to that yes now, you'll never answer yes to that whenever God calls you to do it. I've sat where you've sat. I've sat in this church back there where you sat. Whenever God, through the Holy Spirit, it wasn't an angel. I wish it was an angel. It would have been easier. said, it's time for you to do more, son. was His plan for my life. And to me, it was like going to the desert, but it wasn't. See, Philip goes to the desert, meets an Ethiopian eunuch who comes from Jerusalem and all that dead religion, and he's reading a scroll in Isaiah 53. And, the unit, and Philip says, you understand what you're reading? He said, not really. Who's this talking about? And then he explains to him how Jesus Christ is the Messiah promised by God. And he says, you need to be saved and baptized. And the eunuch says, stop the chariot. There's water. That's salvation right there. That's a God thing. And the only way Philip went there was because the angel showed up and told him in the Bible. Will an angel tell you that? Probably not. But you do have the Holy Spirit. And then Paul, when the ship's going down, the ship is going down, and listen to what Paul says. He's so confident in this. He says, last night, this is in Acts 27, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. Now see, there's a there's a a storm and, and you, Paul and all these people are on a boat and they're crying out to their gods it's kind of like in Jonah's situation Paul says don't worry men an angel of the Lord appeared to me last night and said I will appear before Caesar nobody on the boat's going to die then he says this but the boat's going to crash <laughs> it did it did okay God's will for our lives in a crisis situation sometimes God uses angels number three angels protect us and this is probably something that happens to us a lot, but we just don't see it. From physical and spiritual harm. Notice the physical in Psalm 91. The psalmist says, For he will give his angels charge concerning you, to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down. God uses angels at times to protect us. One of Satan's chief strategies, and I think in our lives, is to cause premature death. 
Listen to what um, Satan, how Satan wanted to kill Peter. Jesus said this to Peter, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. That's bad. It's really bad. It's like Jesus is saying, Satan, congrats. Satan sees something good in you, Jesus, or, or Peter. That's what Jesus is telling Peter. He says, Satan asked if he could sift you as wheat because Satan has no power, right? But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith might not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And what Jesus said is, I'm going to let him and see what happens. But I got faith in you, Peter. And when you come back, when you repent, that's what that means. When you repent, because right after that, Jesus denied the Lord. How many times? Three or more. He actually said to a woman at a fire, he said this, I swear to Yahweh in heaven, I swear, I take an oath. Huge for a Jewish person. I don't know who Jesus is. And then after the resurrection, Jesus went back to him and three times he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yeah, he said, feed my sheep. But think about this. If Satan would have killed Peter, you don't have First and Second Peter, two of the greatest books ever written in the Bible. Right? Jesus over and over again was standing before the Jewish leadership. And what did they want to do? They wanted to kill him. When Jesus was in the garden praying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. So much so that he sweat like great drops of blood. The Bible says this in Luke's gospel. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Have you ever prayed for God's will to be different? I have. Have you? Have you ever been to that point where you just cried and said, God, I don't want this? I, I don't want this. I mean, this is Jesus. So much so that he's in such agony that he's sweating like it's great drops of blood. Some scholars say it's like he sweat blood. You ever been that stressed? You hadn't. Jesus is falling down. He can't walk. He's so stressed over it. God, if it's, if it's your will, God, please take this cup because he's about to bear the wrath of God. That's what he's going to do. Not just die of crucifixion. People have died worse deaths. Jesus bore your sin. All the perversion in your heart that nobody sees, he died for that. Okay? All the lies and the gossip that we tell, all the cheating, swindling, all the, all the gross things about us, even as Christians, Jesus died for it. Aren't you thankful? Took it all. And then he bore God's wrath just like this. The wrath of God that I deserved, he bore it. And it was in that cup. Now listen, Jesus accepted God's will, and the Bible says this, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Aren't you thankful for that? And then finally... Finally, think about this. Angels minister to us in death. Look at this. I've shared this a lot of times at funerals. Revelation chapter 14. The Bible says this. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are those who are... Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they'll rest from their labor and their deeds will follow them. One scholar put it this way. Could this blessing here not just be that we go to heaven, but could it not be talking about the process not just a destination, which means this, we don't have to face death alone. Scripture hints that Jesus may have been carried by angels into heaven on the day of his ascension. Look at these verses. In Mark 19, we read that he was taken up into heaven. Luke writes that while Jesus was blessing his disciples, he left them and was taken up into heaven. It's not like Star Trek, beam me up Scotty. It's almost like somebody got him and took him. In Acts 1-9, we know where Jesus... In Acts 1, 8 said this, you're going to be my witnesses or my martyrs. 
You're going to start in Jerusalem and go literally to the other most parts of the world. Then in Acts 1-9 it says, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. Angels may have had this privilege of taking our or carrying Jesus up on his return trip home. We don't know. But we do know that in Luke 16, when Jesus shares the parable of the rich man and the beggar, you'll notice the verse on the screen. Jesus said there was a rich man who fared sumptuously every day. That means that he ate to his field every day. And he wore a purple robe, which means he had great wealth. He had a gate at his house. And he said, in this parable, there was a poor man named Lazarus. And he would sit there at the gate. He was so bad that dogs would lick his sores. Isn't it amazing what dogs will eat? They'll eat anything. And then he said this, that the, that the beggar just desired the crumbs from the rich man's table. Which means this, that back in those days, if you're rich, you had this little clump of bread that nobody ate. And the crumbs were, you'd wipe your hands on it after you washed your hands, or if you washed your hands. And the beggar says, I don't even want that, rich man. I want, I want the crumbs. And the rich man says, I don't think so. I'm not going to give it to you. Well, guess what happened to the rich people and the poor people? They all die. See, your casket's not going to be, my casket's not going to be much different than Bill Gates. No, it's not going to be much different. My casket's not going to be much different than Michael Jordan's. My casket's not going to be much different than, than Tiger Woods, all right? Not going to be much different if we, if we both are buried that way. My grave, the, the size of my grave is going to be about the same as theirs. What about yours? But guess what's going to be different for most of us? How we leave this place. See, the rich man and the beggar both died. And notice what the Bible says. Now, it came that the poor man died and he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, which is a Jewish way of saying heaven. And the rich man died. And who cared? Basically is what that means. Who cared? Who's going to be your pallbearers? If you're a Christian, angels are ultimately going to be your pallbearers. Isn't that a blessing? I remember years ago, we had a, one of our, and I'm going to close with this, if our musicians will come, had one of our senior adults. Uh, she went to a nursing home. Um, she would always tell me, Preacher, I just want to be honest with you. Your best sermons are your shortest ones. And I said, thank you for that, lady. But anyway, whenever she died, right, there, I don't think anybody is with her at the time. Now, she lived to be a long time. She's a member of this church for a long time, right? One of the, one of the people was here when it started. And I remember when, when she died, I said, kind of tell me what this was like. I asked her son. And he had a daughter. And she said, let me just tell you. She said, I got there right before she left. She said, her CNA or her nurse at this nursing home put her favorite blanket that she stitched herself, put it over her body, and walked her out of that nursing home singing Amazing Grace and said the whole nursing home just stopped. And she said it was the most beautiful procession. She said there was so much dignity and honor and grace showed to my grandmother. She said, what a way to honor a person who has died. And I said, you want me to tell you something that's even better than that? The moment she died, God sent angels and carried her into the presence of Jesus. Friends, nowhere does it say that there are pallbearers, angelic pallbearers, for lost people. That's why Solomon said this, the wicked are driven away in their wickedness. All right, driven away, which means I don't want to go, but you're taken. The righteous has hope in his death. Do you want to be buried or do you want to be carried? Friends, I thank God for the ministry of angels. 
only God in heaven and eternity will tell what, what they have done in your life that you know him. I want you to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. As our musicians lead us in this time of invitation, I'm going to pray and this altar is open for you. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Father, if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Father, we want to thank you for your servants, your messengers, the holy angels, and their ministry to us as believers. And Father, we'll forever thank you for what you do at this invitation time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You respond as the Lord leads you this morning. Do not go to bed tonight lost, church. Do not go to, to bed tonight lost. I pray that you would place your faith and trust in Jesus today. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I would love to talk to you about that. Mark, uh, Kevin, Justin, any of our staff, probably anybody on your pew could share Jesus Christ with you. Do not go to bed tonight without Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great Sunday afternoon and hope to see you back here at 5 o'clock. Thank you and you're dismissed.